We have uh, two scripture readings this morning. The first one from uh, John chapter 10, and the second one from the 23rd Psalm. You may say, well, Pastor Tom, these are familiar passages. I've heard sermons, I know. <clears throat> but one of the things that a good farmer will tell us is that when you plow the ground, you don't set the plow to take as deepest furrow as possible. It's always good to go back and check and replow and break up the clods. <clears throat> In a sense, uh, I'm not the clod breaker this morning, but uh, I want us to think about God and the Lord Jesus as our great shepherd who cares for us. So let's begin with John chapter 10, the first 18 verses. <clears throat> this is the word of God. And Jesus is the speaker. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And then the familiar passage. <clears throat> I have to admit I was tempted to... Um, have us all repeat the King James, but I think it's been so long since we've been in an NIV or the ESV or the New King James that we might muddle it. 
<clears throat> so let me read from Psalm 23. You can say it along in your heads. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray as we look at the text. <clears throat> Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth and plant it deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness. That the light of Christ may be seen today in our acts of love and our deeds of faith. Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes for your glory. Amen. It was the best of times it was the worst of times. It was the age of foolishness. It was an epoch of incredulity. No, I'm not summing up the year 2020 so far. <clears throat> Those words begin Charles Dickens' wonderful novel, A Tale of Two Cities. But here we are, <clears throat> living in the midst of a pandemic living in the midst of social upheaval, these words that I've quoted from Dickens seem to capture the thinking of many. Recently, and I'm sure you've seen it too since this COVID-19 stuff started back in the spring, a number of people have raised the question in print, online, just perhaps in conversation. Where is God in all of this? Let me assure you, as I stand here as a minister of the gospel, that God, our great shepherd, as pictured in John 10 and Psalm 23, is where he always has been, caring deeply for his sheep, dedicated to their well-being, feeding, guarding, defending his sheep, and bringing those same sheep safely home to the sheepfold at the end of the journey. This shepherd that's outlined for us in the scripture this morning is no hireling who abandons his sheep at the first sign of trouble. Let us all rest assured and give thanks for that. Now, having begun, let me take one aside as we begin. The name Lord in verse 1 of Psalm 23. Most of your Bibles probably capitalize all four letters. That's a title. That, Lord, is a title. 
God has given his people a name in Exodus chapter 3. Moses at the burning bush. And Moses says to himself, I must surely turn aside and see this great sight. And the Lord speaks to him from the bush. And says, Moses, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. And he says, who are you? And he says, depending upon your Hebrew enunciation, et yeah, asher, et yeah, I will be what I will be, or I am who I am. God has given a name to his people. And the anglicized title Yahweh has come down to us, I think, starting with Martin Luther as Jehovah. But the issue here is a title versus a name. God's name is here at the head of the psalm. Yahweh is my shepherd. Jehovah is my shepherd. This is a covenant document that God has given to us as his people. I'm going to pick on some men, maybe some men here this morning, right now. Men who use the title, the wife, to refer to that person sitting next to you. I hope none of you are guilty of that, but I've heard people do it. But that's her title, not her name. The lady in the back is not my wife. Yes, she is, but she's not the wife. She has a name, and it's Jean, and the rest of you have names, whether it's Liz or Joe or Chris. We call people by name. Brothers and sisters, we need to call God by his name, not by his title. This is all about Yahweh. Unless you think I'm making that up, I would simply refer you to what David writes in Psalm 68, when he says his name is Yahweh. Okay, Tom's off his hobby horse. Let's look at the text. <clears throat> I'm going to follow an outline that I found in Alex Mateer, a great uh, British uh, commentator, who suggests that verses 1 to 3 talk about God as our shepherd, Yahweh as our shepherd, Verse 4 talks about Yahweh as our companion, and verses 5 and 6 talk about Yahweh as our host. Our study really will belie just a little bit the idea of a peaceful, simple shepherd walking through some idyllic meadow with a few sheep. Here and in John 10, we get quite a different picture. Now, I don't know about up here in the Northland, but out in Arizona, we frequently see shepherds and sheep, not as much as we used to because of the boom in building. <clears throat> but there were Bosque and R, Bosque shepherds, who feed their sheep in the high country of Arizona during the summer months. And then in the winter, they drive them down, bringing them down with their dogs and everything else. They come across a bridge over the Colorado River and they pasture them in the Phoenix area. I can remember one time driving my car and having to stop in the middle of the road because the shepherd was moving the sheep from one pasture 
to the other pasture, and I was surrounded by sheep, including some little woolly lambs. But that's an idyllic picture. The picture that we get here is a different one of a tough shepherd who takes care of the sheep. Let's look at verses 1 to 3. Let's look at Yahweh, our shepherd. And notice how the psalm begins. I shall lack nothing. Our shepherd is sufficient. We dare not doubt that he can't provide for us. He is sufficient. I shall not be in want. Now, it's coming up to that time of year uh, when particularly the child in us begins to shop what used to be this year's catalog. I want, I want, I want, I want this, I want that. Now, maybe you still are nostalgic for those kind of days, but folks, let's be reminded here that our shepherd gives us what we need, we shall not be in want. So much so that he makes us lie down in green pastures and takes us beside still waters. He sees to all our needs. But he cares for us, think about this, in the realm of the ordinary, in the realm of the everyday, in the realm of the routine. Some have likened that, and I can't remember who, but I like the idea. Some have likened that work of God for us to be bread and butter work. Again, David in Psalm 68 says, he daily bears us up. We're cared for day in, day out. Doesn't matter what time. God is our Shepherd, Yahweh is our shepherd 24-7, 365. And it's done, as David says here, for his name's sake. That reminding us of God's name, in the Bible, that describes his character. Ezekiel chapter 36 gives us a glimpse of that when we read this, and I'll be quick, in verses 22 and following, Ezekiel 36. This is what Yahweh says. Thus says Yahweh God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned. And the nations will know that I am Yahweh, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness. And then he goes on to talk about how he's going to do it. But God takes care of us for the sake of his name. His name is, ought to be on our lips, certainly ought to be in our minds and hearts. But the point is, he makes, in so doing, he makes new men and women of us. He changes us. He takes us from being that straying sheep, that black sheep of the family, if you will, and reorients us 
to hear his name, as John 10 says, and to follow him when he calls. And he leads us, as Psalm 23, verse 3 says, in paths of righteousness. Think about that. Every path we take, every path you and I have tread this week, wherever we've been, literally is a path of righteousness. Through the hurly-burly of life, through the circumstances of each day, through COVID-19 or the valley of the shadow of death. Yes, even that one, the valley of the shadow of death, is a path of righteousness. Let me share with you the experience I had with <clears throat> a dear friend many years ago. <clears throat> the Reverend Garrett DeYoung was responsible for starting a Bible study which ultimately became Covenant Presbyterian Church, the church that I pastored in Sun City, West Arizona. <clears throat> I went to see Garrett shortly before his death and he was, he was in a convalescent home. We, saw, we talked about just this passage. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He was fully satisfied that the Lord would see him through. He knew his days were numbered, but he trusted in Christ. He trusted in this great covenant God, Jehovah, through the valley of the shadow of death, God would see him through. Now, some of you in your own life have been through that with relatives and family in recent days. In fact, Ned and Lois have been reminded of that even this week as they've left to deal with family who've been through the circumstances of death. But it was trust in God through the valley of the shadow of death. How can this be? How can we say that? We can say that because of verse 4. Even though I walk through that, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here again is the picture of the great shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. You see the interwovenness of John 10 and Psalm 23 here? It reminds us that the great shepherd has redeemed us. He walks with us. He leads us. He's a strong presence in our lives. I saw one of the translators picturing the fact that God is with us and his rod and his staff are there to comfort us, almost in a military sense of God is on patrol. God's going before us. He's walking, as we would say in the Army and Marines, walking point. He's the man out front, watching, careful, observant. But interesting things about the rod and the staff. 
I don't know what your conception of it is. And oftentimes with the staff, you know, we see the shepherd's crook. Uh, and we see the picture of Christ with the lamb on his shoulder. <laughs> Spurgeon, you remember Charles Spurgeon, some of you, not, I mean, personally, um, because he died, <laughs> he died in the late 19th century. But Spurgeon remarked that when he was in the Holy Land in the late 19th century, he saw shepherds. <laughs> but they didn't, he said, they don't look anything like some of our conceptions. He said they reminded him of warriors. Why? Because of the club and the staff. <clears throat> the club, the rod, defends the sheep. The staff moves them along. And you can think of, of David as he's <clears throat> getting ready to battle Goliath there in 1 Samuel. And he goes to Saul and he says, well, the same God that protected me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will, and I think this is a good translation, protect me from the paw of the Philistine. And he does. God cares for us, but he is an active, strong shepherd. And that ought to provide great comfort to you and to me, knowing that our great shepherd cares for us. But not only is he our shepherd and companion, the last two verses remind us that God is Yahweh is our host because we will stay in his house forever. And in the chapter, 19th chapter of John's Revelation, verses 6 through 9, we read about the marriage feast of the Lamb. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been to some fantastic banquets over the years, and I think probably you have too. Folks, we haven't seen anything yet. I, I must admit, I struggle to get my arms around the concept of how in the world God is going to have a marriage feast that big. There is no hall <laughs> that we know of in the world to host us all. Because we're told that the saints of God are a number no man can number. But God is going to set as our host a table before our enemies. Now, I, I think there may be a historical circumstance for this found in 2 Samuel chapter 17. This is a David running away from Absalom and other things. But 2 Samuel 17, starting in verse 27. <clears throat> when David came to Mahanaim, Shobi the son of Nahash from Rabbah of the Ammonites, and Makir the son of Amiel from Lodavar, and Barzili the Gileadite from Roglam, brought beds, basins, and earthen vessels, Weed, barley, flour, parched grains, beans and lentils, honey and curds, and sheep and cheese from the herd for David and the people with him to eat. For they said, the people are hungry 
and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. So I think when David thinks of a feast set the table before our enemies, that's exactly had been his experience based on the kindness of these three individuals. Wow. God will set a table before our enemies. And we will dine with the Lord Jesus as we prefigure here this morning as we come to the Lord's table. And then David says, <clears throat> regarding this, the image of being anointed and running over and the running over cup suggests, a, I think, a festive and leisurely satisfying feast. This is no grab and go from Burger King. This is a leisurely gathering in the presence of the enemies because our heads been anointed, we are blessed and our cup overflows. Wow, what a picture this is of our great shepherd who cares for us. And then he concludes, verse six. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of Yahweh forever. The Lord's love and covenant faithfulness pursue us. The word follow is a bit tame. It's more like pursuing. In fact, the word is the same word that's used in Exodus 14 of Pharaoh pursuing Israel or Israel pursuing the Midianites in Judges chapter 7. It's pictured by the, the great poet Francis Thompson in his long poem, The Hound of Heaven, who pursues us up and down the length of days. That's God. <clears throat> C.S. Lewis used to talk about the pursuit of God as he said in his autobiography that he sat in Magdalen College in Oxford and he could sense that God was coming for him. And so God pursues us. And again, I will dwell in the house of, the, of Yahweh forever. Again, forever, length of days may be adequate. But there's a wonderful translation from the New Jerusalem Bible that basically takes out forever and puts in for all time to come. Think about that. We will be feasting with the people of God before the throne of God for all time to come. Our great shepherd leads us safely into eternity. What a, a wonderful picture that is. But think with me just briefly back to John 10. The shepherd there is the companion. He is with the sheep. He leads the sheep. The shepherd is the great I am. Did you count how many times Jesus used the term I am there? <clears throat> you know, that got him into trouble with the local religious establishment 
because the term I am is that same term that God uses to identify himself in Exodus 3.14. I am. This is the great I am who is saying, I'm your good shepherd. And notice in John 10 how we are provided for. In the sheepfold, out with the, with the shepherd, listening and hearing his voice. Folks, that's the gospel. It's here in Psalm 23. God cares for his people. I can remember, and I'm dating myself with this remembrance. <clears throat> it wasn't long after <clears throat> we were first married that the holidays took us on a Sunday evening up to Scroon Lake, up to Word of Life. Maybe some of you over the years have been there. I remember as a child, a kid, a teenager growing up, the Jack Wurtson used to come to Philadelphia and go to the Baptist temple and hold youth rallies, and we would go. But we were there one Sunday night, and Al Smith, who was the director of Singspiration and who, along with Billy Graham, began the Days of Youth for Christ, Al Smith was the featured song leader for that night and for the week that was beginning that Sunday night. But I remember, and I'm still struck by the fact of a song that he sang by George Young called God Leads Us Along. George Young was a carpenter and a part-time pastor who over the years didn't make a lot of money, <clears throat> but was faithful to ministering the word in a small, small area. And over the years, as a carpenter, he managed to build a home. And one time when he was away, some rather bad fellows came and burned the house down. George Young's response was this song. God leads us along. In shady green pastures so rich and so sweet, God leads his dear children along. Where the water's cool flow bathes the weary one's feet, God leads his dear children along. And then the refrain. Some through the waters, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood, some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season, and all the day long. Let me read two of the other verses. Sometimes on the mount where the sun shines so bright, God leads his dear children along. Sometimes in the valley, in the darkest of night, God leads his dear children along. Though sorrows befall us and evils oppose, God leads his dear children along. Through grace, we can conquer, defeat all our foes. God leads his dear children along. Some through the waters, some through the blood, through the flood, rather. Some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night seasons and all the day long. Clearly, our life is a journey, and our great shepherd leads us along. 
one of the other commentators, Dale Ralph Davis, who Ned mentioned last week in his sermon, wrote, looking back over the journey, the grassy pastures may be the normal place, the valley of the shadows the fearful place, in front of the enemies the dangerous place, and the house of Yahweh the abiding place. And Christ leads us in to and through them all. And so now you must go back to the beginning. And here is my question to you all today. What position have you taken? Only if Yahweh Jesus is your shepherd can you say, I will never lack anything. In ordinary times, in fearful times, in dangerous times, or at the last time. In the best of times, if you are under care of Yahweh Jesus, the great shepherd, you, you are under his care. In the worst of times, it will be the worst of times if you are outside of that care. Where are you this day? Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, you lead us and guide us in interesting ways. You lead us and guide us through the valley, by green pastures, by still waters. So we ask, O oh Lord, that you would encourage us this day. May we understand your grace in all things. Amen. <clears throat>